Hello and welcome to the Fossil Huntress podcast. I hope you guys are all doing well. Today I wanted to talk a little bit about geologic time and deep time and think about the four and a half billion year history of our planet and how we figured out its age, how we figure out the age of the fossils that we find and the rocks beneath our feet. And when we look out at mountains, how we figure out how old they are and how they've they've come to be there. We live on an amazing planet and in the relatively short amount of time that you and I have been here and our species has been here, we've learned a ton about the prehistory and the the history of life on Earth. So the last 4.5 billion years has been a busy time. And we look back to the, the Precambrian and the Ediacaran, we see the beginning of the first cellular life and then multicellular life. Then we move into the age of the invertebrates as they begin to expand out. And the first animals with hard parts, the sexy trilobites, and then we move into the Mesozoic, which is the age of uh, dinosaurs and uh, marine reptiles, the age of reptiles itself that Hollywood loves so much. So the Triassic and Jurassic and Cretaceous. Through that and at the end of that era, we see mass extinction events that wipe out nearly every species on the planet, but we come fighting right back. And after the end of the Cretaceous, so when we lost the dinosaurs and the ammonites, we begin to see the rise of mammals and species that you and I know and love. So um, if you have a pet dog or if you have a modern horse, we see these uh, species arrive after that extinction event and begin to uh, expand all over the earth. And, and the just the, the sheer volume and variety of just, just dogs as one species is, is remarkable. We also see the plants and trees that we recognize today and a lot of the little mollusks that you see on the ocean, those little shells. Um, they rise up and they don't change all that much since the Eocene. So you and I today understand the history of the earth that is written in her stones. So you and I have the benefit of modern technology and techniques. We live in an era of information that is at our fingertips. But it started off as pen and paper and observation, taking a look at rock. And in the early days of geology, we had to tease together how the earth was formed, how the various continents formed, and then figure out the age of the rock based on the fossils within. And that took a fair bit of work. So for the most part, the position in a, for, a, for a rock in a series of rock units or beds tells us the relative age. So for the most part, although this is not always true, the deeper the rock, the older the rock, and then it gets younger as it moves up. If you listen to the Fernie post or the uh, Kootenai post, um, this isn't true. So you drive into the town of Fernie and the rock units there have been rolled over on their heads. And so the Devonian caps that sit on top are a good 180 million years older than the rock beneath. But relatively speaking, 
when we're out in the world. Uh, the rocks that are deepest are oldest. And then we can compare the sequences of those rocks. So if you, if you, I don't know if you know your apples, but if you went to a grocery store and you see Macintosh and you see a variety of apples in a certain order, we do that with other fossils, index fossils, uh, like ammonites or um, Triassic paper clams are a great one. So we can see the sequence that they are in and we can use that relative sequence to compare North America to Europe or to Asia or the Middle East. And that's very, very helpful. So again, if you take a listen to the Nevada versus um, Tayotan uh, podcasts, we see the same sequence, the same Triassic sequence that we see in BC as we see down in Nevada. And that's wildly interesting to begin to compare those. But how do we know the relative age of the rocks? Like, how do we look at a rock and know that it's, you know, 205 million years old or 1.6 or 7.2? How do we know? So we know that the relative position of a rock will give us the idea of what's older and what's younger, older on the bottom, younger on the top. When you and I go into the field, we certainly cheat. It's not cheating, but we can go out with the guide to Utah fossils or the geologic paper on the trilobites of Ontario. So we, we go out armed with great information so we can have the greatest success. But how do I know I'm looking at a Cambrian trilobite or a Triassic ammonoid? How do I know the relative dating? And that's done through chemistry. So our beautiful chemist friends have helped us in geology date the rock beneath our feet. We use the element carbon to date rock that's, well, we guess, no more than 50,000 years old. So if we look and we think that the unit we're looking at is relatively young, so 50,000 years, geologically speaking, is very young, we use uh, carbon as a radioisotope dating system. So we can tell absolute time, give or take 2 million years, by looking at the decay rate of carbon. So you and I are carbon-based life forms. We know that um, carbon contains the radioactive isotope carbon-14, and we also know the rate at which it decays. So it decays or breaks down at a set rate. So the older the rock, the less carbon-14 there is compared with the remainder of the carbon. So it's one way to date rock. For rocks that are older than 50,000 years, we need to turn to isotopes with a slower decay rate. So we need something, a, a, a slightly slower clock to let us look deeper into time. One of the isotopes that we use is potassium-40, which decays at a known rate to form the gas argon. Or sometimes we use uranium, which decays at a measured rate to lead and it's through the use of uranium and rocks that contain uranium that we were able to obtain the sort of atomic clock rate of the age of the earth and set it at 4.5 billion years. So we use a combination of all of those techniques, simple observation, um, comparing what we see in sequence across a rock 
unit. So what specimens and what species are eroding out and when we collect them, what order do we see them in? If we're very lucky, we'll find index fossils. So a fossil that is useful for dating rock across sequences and across continents. And we combine that with the radioisotope dating and we get a pretty clear picture of our Earth. And that's um, good to roughly plus or minus two million years in terms of dating. And we are beginning to see other techniques across a spectrum that give us even greater insight into the relative age of fossils. One of the most interesting areas in science around dating rock and learning about our Earth comes from deep sea drilling cores. So these are continuous cores that have a snapshot of a quiet seafloor over time. Um, Donald Prothrow has been doing some work down in Oregon and taking a look at the magnetic field and what we see in the shifts in the core um, of our Earth. And what we've learned is, on average, the Earth has had a magnetic field shift about once every million years. And so these show up really well, these reversals show up really well in the deep sea mud. And they give us a picture that might help us uh, date fossils instead of sort of plus or minus two million years to get them down to sort of a plus or minus a hundred thousand years. Interestingly, so both a problem and a blessing, is that there are, are about 90 reversals that have occurred in the Earth over the past 65 million years. So when we look at them in detail, the reversal intervals differ in duration. So each one of them is a different length of time, and any group of reversals has a unique signature. So. Donald's work is giving us insight into the fossil record in a whole new way and in the record of our Earth that'll allow us to date very precisely um, the exact age of fossils uh, much closer to, uh, to their actual age. So we'll be off by a little, little point, uh, but not nearly as much as before. So plus or minus 100,000 is quite remarkable. For you and I, in the field collecting. We're not going to be doing um, radioisotope dating and we're not going to be using these tools and techniques. Most likely we're going to be using our eyes and observation, probably taking uh, maps into the field and those may be paper, or those may be electronic, taking out field guides. But all of these pieces of active observation um, train us over time to begin seeing the world and solving puzzles in new ways. So thank you for listening to this episode on geologic time, and I'll talk to you very soon.